Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And I'm Dale. And this week's game is Shadowrun for the SNES. All right, Cartridge Commandos, this week's game, and at least next week as well, is going to be coming to you from a new $20 Patreon request from Radiant Blur, which is a pretty cool name. Sounds like a D&D spell, I think, but uh, I, they requested uh, to kind of do a, a review, rate and review of the both the Super Nintendo and, you know, compare contrast with the Genesis versions of the very, the titular Shadow Run. So we're doing that in a interestingly timely fashion in that this is the we're coming up on the this is the 30th anniversary of the of the original uh, super nintendo game it's fantastic timing radium blur hey why don't you set up a google reminder to uh send a little gmail to cartridge command at gmail.com to remind us in 2050 to revisit this game <laughs> yeah 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 no kidding we should do it for sure uh, but yeah so we'll get into that now without uh further ado Shadow Run for the Super Nintendo was released in North America in May of 93, PAL regions in August of 1993, and in Japan in March of 94. Wow, almost a year later in Japan, huh? It, how the turntables, you know, it, uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is a, this was published by Data East, but was developed by Beam Software. So, Beam Software, yes, Australian company, as I read. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, you know, I, I'm assuming that's why it, you know, landed landed out west first. And of course, this is based on the tabletop RPG Shadowrun by FASA, which I guess uh, originally came out in 89. But by the time this game came out, the second edition had already been released in 1992. Now, Nick, you're a tabletop RPG fan, correct? I am, yes. So have you ever played this game before? In I've its never. Tabletop form? No, I never have. But kind of a weird story where a friend of mine got the i believe second edition player's handbook whatever the core rule book was let me borrow it my younger brother left it out in the rain and (laughs) (laughs) so it was like the plastic the cover was all cracked it was all messed up you could still read it though it wasn't completely ruined so Hmm. he just let me keep it so i actually was somewhat familiar with the game okay well r.i.p yeah i like the uh you know, it's like cyberpunk setting plus magic. So that's, you know, pretty cool. I was going to say right off the bat, I mean, this whole aesthetic is Deus Ex. If you ever played that at all, PC game. Kind oh, of no, I've heard. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's basically great. super similar. Yeah. All kind of the, in the same wheelhouse that and cyberpunk and uh, Blade Runner, you know, it's all the yeah. same aesthetic. Cyberpunk. Oh, sure. I, uh, I did play somewhat. I still have the books for this. It's another it's a tabletop rpg called earth dawn by it's also by fasa same races trolls and orcs and stuff but it's more of a purely fantasy setting oh no kidding okay you see i noticed this this game is more of a kind of a cyberpunk setting with fantasy elements sprinkled on top i guess is kind of how i took it yeah it's it's interesting i i I like it in that way um this game apparently was based on a novel written by Robert N. Charette, who was a one of the co-creators, I guess, of, of Shadowrun. And the novel is called Never Deal with a Dragon. 
That is such a great novel name. I did, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe you have to check that out one of these times. And the uh, the box art and the uh, the art for Shadowrun in general is awesome. Super cool. Yeah, I really respect their... Anytime a game does the makes the decision to kind of just have it classy where... Yeah, they just tore it straight from the novel. Yeah, it's like, here's a cool... I don't know. It's not like... As much as I love the cheesy action paintings from the late 80s that a lot of games got that have <laughs> yeah. nothing to do with the actual gameplay or characters, uh, you know, it's nice when it's just that kind of minimalist style, I guess. See Mega Man 1. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh, now, I guess they had been trying to adapt the Shadowrun setting into a Super Nintendo game. I saw this on Wikipedia. It said since 89, which is before the Super Nintendo came out. So I don't know if it was like, you know, we're getting ready for this new system and we really want this game. And that would have been right when the RPG came out, according, you know what I mean? Like if it came out in 89. So I guess they were trying to adapt it straight away. Yeah. So as I read it and as I heard, uh, there was an original creator that was working on creating the video game and he had a team and they were developing the game for a while. Um, He left out of nowhere. I didn't really read why or where he went or what he did but he left so the game was in limbo there was nobody there to complete it someone else stepped in randomly took over the company and uh as the legend goes the people that worked at the company didn't like the new guy that was running the game so they intentionally tried to tank the game to get him fired so that somebody else could come in and take over wow i presume what was it beam software so so yeah yeah some shady dealings going on there i wow it's uh yeah but spoiler alert i I would say i think they failed in that regard (laughs) yeah well i I did see that whatever you know there there was some shenanigans you know involving the you know port of this game or whatever but in 92 they kind of resumed development with lead designer paul kidd from beam beam software that must be the guy well i was very intrigued because he's he is apparently tied uh, and worked on the NES game Nightshade, which I'm not sure if you're familiar okay. with, but does have not. some similarities to this game where I was like, oh, okay, that fits. I've I've never beaten Nightshade, but it's a it's a later gotcha. quirky NES game that's still on the list, baby. <laughs> and then uh, and then of course in 2012, Harebrained Schemes kickstarted the Shadowrun Returns game. They did indeed. Have you played this? I have not, but I, you know, I, I would like to. I do kind of vaguely recall them talking about it when in 2012, where I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, of course, I wish them the best. I guess it features uh, Jake Armitage, the main character from this game, as well as ties the, the Super Nintendo and Genesis titles kind of stories together in some oh, way. Oh, no kidding. Okay, I thought... I had read that it um, was sort of a sequel to the Genesis game, but had nothing to do with the Super Nintendo game. But maybe I, I, I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is this is all secondhand info, anyways. But uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I would definitely be interested in checking it out one of these days, though. Well, before the mics heated up, we had uh, talked a little bit about this, and I had mentioned, "Hey, have you played the new Shadow Run? It came out on Xbox 360." But in fact, I was mistaken. There was another Shadow Run that did come out on Xbox 360 in 2007, which I read is based on the same source material, but as far as I can tell, has nothing to do with with Mm. the universe. And I believe it's a multiplayer-only game. And then the Shadowrun Returns, which we mentioned, is on Xbox One S, PS4 era consoles. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, eh, I mean, kind of surprised there haven't been more. It's a pretty fertile setting for video games, I feel like, in in certain ways, you know? Oh, it's a ripe landscape, my friend. You're darn tootin'.
So, Dale. Yes, Nick. We both, we know this is an RPG, but what else can you tell us about what type of game this is or how the, I guess, the gameplay slash systems of this uh, admittedly a bit strange RPG? It's a departure from a standard JRPG type. Indeed, is it is an RPG isometric view, but I would almost classify it more as a point and click adventure. Uh, really yeah. reminds me of those uh, kind of point and click PC games that are uh, kind of based on you scanning your environment and, and clicking on terms and saving saving those and collecting items and referring back to them and uh, menu management and that sort of thing. Absolutely, it has a lot in common with your your Maniac Mansions, Tales of Monkey mm-hmm. Islands, King's Quests, etc. Because you do kind of interface through, uh, like you said, a point and click where you bring up a little icon, you hover around the room to search for objects or people you can talk to, grab, etc. And that's really the main way you advance the game is by talking to people and collecting these terms and uh, buzzwords and items. Items are uh, a big deal in this game as well. There are a ton of items you have to go through that, you know, you need to move one item from one hand to another to advance the story. It's yeah, it's it's a little tricksy in that way. Um, I don't think it's too terrible. I, I enjoy it. And it's kind of something at the time I remember thinking being a fan of because it seemed like a natural fit for a lot of our where it just gives you a little more something to do than, you know, just go here, talk to people, get the information, go kill, move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say I would go as far to say this is the strength of the game really is uh, that this would be a great game if in 1993, 1994, I was a kid and I had a pen and a notepad. And I, uh, yeah. I, I even found myself doing this during this playthrough where I would um, write down what certain items were so I didn't have to refer back to the menu. So as I'm playing, I could just look down and see, OK, well, you know, what's on this memo or what's on this torn piece of paper? Um, sure, but it's kind of yeah. fun. It's like you're, you're playing detective the whole game. Yeah, yeah, which I, I like. And I think, you know. We'll get into it a little later more with the story wise, but it does have a very film noir detective vibe kind of going through this game. I did read somewhere this was credited as the first video game to establish the film noir setting. So I don't know if that's true or not, but <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah, maybe. I I mean, there was Dick Tracy on NES. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if Tracy counts as film noir necessarily, yeah. given that it's so full of grotesquely deformed uh <laughs> gangsters <laughs> and weird i don't know but either way it's it's pretty cool and you know we should mention too that in kind of in tandem with this point and click elements it is pretty non-linear like you kind of have certain hubs or sections of the game where you're going to be there until you resolve you, you got to find i don't know go through uh certain steps to get the right items or get the right, I guess, event flags, talking to the right people to get to where you can finally do what needs to be done to leave this old town or whatever section 10th street. You know, you have these different chunks of, I believe this is set in Seattle. Is it really? I I thought it was all fictional. I know it later refers to a town called Bremerton, which is a real, I'm not sure if it's a suburb, but it's, or just a section of Seattle. It's, this is also no something wow. I, I remember from the tabletop RPG is it was kind of focused on the Pacific Northwest setting wise. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, In certain okay. ways. But you are oh. absolutely right with this being sort of nonlinear and we'll get into it with the level by level. But I, I did one part of this uh, game in the beginning completely out of order uh, and, and found out later after kind of looking it up like, hey, what am I missing here? And I realized I, I missed a whole set of steps to get a certain set of items and was sort of ahead and behind at the same time. So. Sure. It's it's interesting. There are certain, uh, you know, in keywords, again, it's like if you don't ask certain people about the right stuff, you won't even get a keyword. And later that can bite you in the ass, which happened to me at least once. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, 
I missed the first item in the game that you can pick, or one of the first, very first items in the game that you can pick up. Walked around for a while without having it and had to backtrack, so. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, been there, been there, done that. And of course, you know, this is an RPG. I did see it labeled as an action RPG, which I think is a, a gross Ooh. misnomer. Uh, <laughs> a thousand percent agree, my friend. Uh, you know, we'll get into it, but uh, the, the action is probably, probably the, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would use that term. <laughs> no, no. I it, it at first glance it may appear like it looks like one from a screenshot or something because it is, you know, you're not you don't have a typical battle screen like you would in an RPG where it's, you you go from the map to a battle. No, it's all here on the same thing and you can kind of move around, but it, you know, well I guess we can get into some combat gameplay now because you're on a you'll just be walking along and suddenly combat will initiate as you are ambushed by guys leaning out of windows, lots of that. You know, which <laughs> reminded me of Dick Tracy, where you're just driving around the town and then, oh, there's some snipers up on the roof. I got to get out and shoot them. And here it's kind of the same, except you're not in a car. You're walking along and then, oh, there's a gun poking out of this window. It's time to fight. So, yeah, this being an RPG, that's this is, you know, the, the, these are the random encounters. You're just walking down the road and all of a sudden a guy's shooting at you. And it's it can be so unfair, man. Like you walk into a room and you're getting shot from off, off screen and you're already taking damage. You're seeing numbers pop up off your character and you have to walk a few screens over to realize who's shooting at you. Then pull out your gun, put your cursor on them so you can attack back. So you, you kind of take some tank some cheap damage there. Yeah, because that's your 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 way of fighting is you know since you're you're pretty much exclusively using firearms in this game there's there are no melee weapons for you and once combat initiates you press i think your a button that'll bring up your little crosshair icon so yeah you get your little crosshairs and you move it over whichever of you know maybe there's only one enemy maybe there's three four you choose one and you start blasting away you highlight them and then you just keep pressing that a button to fire away up and to what? your your max firing rate kind of yeah, and while we're sort of haphazardly talking about the systems in the game a little bit, uh, we can talk a little bit about the the controls as well, which if I had to rack and stack the things I didn't like about the game early on, early impressions, uh, combat is one, which I think we lightly touched on. Yeah. Uh, two, the controls are a little stiff. Uh, maybe if you're more familiar with these types of games, uh, uh, those individuals wouldn't have any problem with it whatsoever. But I'm mostly new to these types of games, and I've felt it a little clunky. Uh, I mean, you get used to it after a while and it doesn't, it doesn't feel too bad, but, um, yeah. so, so I mean, your, your, yeah, your a button will pull up a cursor. That is your weapon cursor. You put it on an enemy and you basically just, you know, hammer the fire button, watch numbers pop up on them and yeah. hope that you whittle their life bar down faster than they whittle yours. Your B button is your, uh, another cursor, correct? Ah, uh, yes. The action glove, the action glove. I didn't know it had a name. Yeah. It's a little kind of a finger, a hand. I got an action and, finger for you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and you use that to you can pick up items, open doors, etc. But again, it's the same kind of it's like a mouse cursor that you're moving around to interact with items. Yeah. And then if you notice, too, when you hover over certain items, you have an interact option, um, you have use option, um, and, and those are sort of hot mapped to your L and R buttons on the controller as well. So if you know what you want to do with an item, like a door, for instance, you can hover over it with the cursor and press R, for instance, and the door will open automatically. But um, sometimes that doesn't work if you're interacting with an item that you can't, let's say, open, but rather you need to talk yeah. to. So I can't use R on people to talk to them. So I found myself confused for a little while because I, I would just inherently use R after walking through a bunch of doors but it wouldn't let me talk to anybody so then i'd go back to hitting b and it's just you know it all amounts to some clunkiness i agree Ed, you know because they have hard mapped a lot of these buttons to you know the b button like you said brings up the action glove but if you just press the right button it 
opens the action glove and will automatically open. Like you don't even have to go to that menu to hit R. You can just hover over a button and press the R button or uh, hover over a door and press the R button and it will just open it and kind of skip a little bit of the menu and stuff. But it's it's still weird. And for two seconds, while we're on doors, let me just say these doors frustrate the hell out of me (laughs) just because if you're standing right in front of the thing, it'll it'll bonk into you and close again immediately. And I'm like, why even put that in the game? (laughs) Well, yeah, there there are certain things to control wise where it's like, oh, some enemy I killed him. He dropped his new yin and you you can't pick it up. It's like, nope, you got to get close and you really got to like highlight it with your little finger or, you know, so it's, it's kind of a pain. It, it is, you can't get used to it. I don't think it's a deal breaker, but it is just kind of needlessly tedious, I guess. Now these are small gripes, but compounded over many hours of playing this game, you do get sick of stopping and pulling out a cursor to select the new yin on the ground and, and pick it. I wish I could just walk over and pick it up. I wish I could walk into doors and it would just open, but well, it, it yeah. does. It gives you a little more, I guess, control over the game, but it did kind of have me yearning for the, just press a, and it will automatically do, you know, <laughs> you're only doing one thing with this money. You're not going to exactly. shoot it or, you know, you're just going to pick it up. So just, you know, yeah, I, I started, I got to the point where when I'm picking up money, especially because you'll press your, you know, B button to bring up your your action glove, and it always kind of spawns right in the center of your sprite. So I always try to position my sprite right over the money, so it just goes right there immediately, and I can just double press R yeah. twice to pick it up. But and then the yeah. kind of say the uh, the Y button will open up your your items menu for for quick access to items that you might want to give to people or use to interact with people in the world. Yeah, and and you'll need to because. There are certain things that are, are also kind of weird where it's like, oh, you need to give this item to this person to where you have to like select it in your menu, press give, and then you'll return to the overhead kind of or your isometric screen, mm-hmm. map screen, if you will. And then you'll have your little action glove that you got to move over to them and choose them to give it to them. I imagine you probably have to be close or else you'll get the dreaded not close enough message. And then you got to stop, walk over and then do it all again. <laughs> And again, maybe this is something that uh, players of these games are familiar with, so it's a non-gripe for them, but it just, for someone who's brand new, yeah, it kind of drove me crazy. Well, a lot of point-and-click games are typically on a computer with a mouse that makes it a lot easier to, or a lot quicker in certain ways to deal with certain things, you know. I'm glad you brought up the mouse because I, I talked to a friend at work about this and I talked to you about this briefly and uh, it seems that no one really knows for sure, but can you use the the Super Nintendo mouse with this game? I don't think so. I, I tried looking into it. I found lots of like ROM hacks or mods where it's like you can use mm. a mouse for it. But here's my thing is that I, I really thought about it because it was something that always stuck with me since playing this years ago was that, wow, if it just had a mouse, it would be way easier. Kind of like Sim City or certain other oh, yeah. games because I was like, I had the Super Nintendo mouse and if I could have, I would have loved to use it. But yeah, absolutely. The bottom line is that like for this game, you have so many other buttons and things that are directly mapped it like how would that even work you know you your left hand you can't use all those buttons necessarily you it would be really weird you know because you kind of need a keyboard as a companion to a mouse yeah i could only imagine holding a, a super nintendo pad in my left hand and the mouse in the right hand and kind of using the left hand uh, to move around and then and then the mouse when it was time to interact so yeah i, I mean they could probably remap a lot of things but they were losing out on some buttons and you know it could i don't know i personally speaking i think Better than a mouse, it would be easier to just toggle through targets. There's not that many normally, uh, you know, just to be able to be like, like, I want to shoot this guy. Kind of if I was choosing him from a menu, like uh, as much as the they claim to have the action 
RPG here because it is kind of because you are shooting with your A button as often as you can. And yeah, you know, you, you can move around during a fight, but if you do that, your targeting reticule disappears. So you're not shooting while you're moving. I feel like the as much as it's dressed up like a more exciting action combat, it really functionally ends up being just like a turn-based RPG kind of where you're just like, I'm just sitting here choosing. I'm shooting this guy till he's dead. Then I move to this guy. So well, I think I know so the forth. answer, but uh, I'll ask you anyway, in case you know, but um, did, does the environment play into combat at all? If I move behind a desk, am I, does, does that, you know, take my RNG down for taking damage at all? I or? don't know exactly. I do. Well, I can say this, that sometimes I'll be shooting at an enemy. I'll be like, oh, I can see him up here, and I start blasting away. And after a few shots, I'll get a little blue pop-up menu in the bottom left that says target not visible. Oh, okay. I've never seen so, that. Wow. So at some points, yes. But most of the time, I found if you can I, – I, I've never seen any evidence of them taking less damage or being harder to hit. But, you know, it might be out there, but I, I would be surprised. Now, you know, we've kind of mentioned the fantastic elements. Uh, so, you know, pressing the X button later in the game when you start to earn spells gives you yet another icon, the spell glove. And so you have to target spells the same way you would with your crosshair or your action glove, which is, again, kind of hairy in the middle of a firefight when you're getting all shot up and you're trying to like, OK, no, I'm going to cast this spell. And it's like, nope, no, <laughs> I don't Agreed, know. Then. It's a I little find tricky. A- I find magic in this game an interesting concept, given the the sort of mostly cyberpunk theme. Um, mm-hmm. I, I read something interesting about the tabletop game that uh, there was uh, an attribute known as as essence, and and as we get into level by level, we'll discuss the story a little bit. But uh, your character is sort of cybernetically enhanced with some some chips and some things in his brains, and there's a lot of human computer interaction and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And in the tabletop game, this this uh, essence stat was essentially. Um, the more that you sort of augment yourself with technology, the less you would get away from from being alive, being human, and your magic stats would go down. And I thought that would be such a cool addition for this game. Um, maybe like if you wanted to spec your character to be a mage, you would have a low hacking skill or vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was a cool thing because it's like you are giving up something to get these cyber deck enhancements. So it's a kind of a balancing thing, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do recall that it was it was pretty cool. But alas, it is not here in this game. Yes, alas, alas. So let's talk. <laughs> let's let's get into our uh, stats real quick because you do have a few. Up. You have a few. So yeah, for for your stats, you know, as you mentioned earlier, when you hit that Y button, you go to the item inventory. You go to a sub menu, kind of where you will see a little portrait of Jake. Pretty funny because he appears to have no eyebrows. Indeed, they don't have eyebrows in the future, which I guess we should mention this game is set in 2050. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if only we would have waited 27 years. We could have, you know, compared and contrasted. <laughs> Creeping up there. Um, so you get that uh, and, and you have certain your items, you know, you have an actual proper menu that you might be used to for items, magic, weapons, armor, skills and cybernetic enhancements. Uh, I actually like the menu a lot in this game. It's pretty clearly laid out what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. You do have you have four attributes, which are your you have body, which can go. It starts what at three, I think. It goes up to twenty, and I each, do believe it starts at three. Yeah, yeah. And each each point of body is worth ten stamina or hit points, essentially. Mm-hmm. So every time you increase it, you you know we'll get into the the leveling up slash experience shortly. Um, you have a magic stat which starts at zero. And kind of functions the same way for 
every point you put into your magic stat, you will get 10 MP. It also maxes out at 20. Um, but I don't think you can place any points in it until you learn your first spell, which is... And rightfully so, because that's much later in the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a chunk of the way in there. Then you have strength, which starts at three also, maybe? I think so. We I might be swapping uh, one's two and one's three, uh, maybe charisma's two. I think, yeah, it's they're, they're both pretty low. The strength is almost completely useless. Um, you just yeah. need to, it maxes out at six and you'll need to increase it every now and then because certain weapons or armor just require a four or five or six strength to wield. So I made the mistake in my playthrough of this game of putting points into strength uh, during my grinding sessions. And I, I turns out I don't need it at all. At some point oh. I looked up what it does and I was like, okay, I just wasted, <laughs> I wasted a lot of karma. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, charisma, which I think you start off at two. Uh, as you increase it, it will it works with your a skill. You have negotiation, which allows you to kind of get you pay less for things or especially I think this determ helps determine certain things when you hire shadow runners, which yeah. will, the titular shadow runners, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute. So helps you win friends and influence people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Following that on your screen, you will have karma, which is, you know, that's your experience points, kind of, where you'll get a point of karma to raise any one of your attributes or skills. You have to spend an amount of karma equal to its current rating. So if you have a level two charisma and you spend two points, it'll bump up to three. If you want to bump it up to four, it's going to cost you three points or, you know, you just the so the costs increase with the level of the whatever you're trying to increase this i believe is straight out of the rpg as well yep karma is super important where's my reddit people at <laughs> yeah yeah um it'll tell you your money it'll tell you what you know and spells are different here where you know you go to a menu here you use your magic menu to basically equip a spell into your spell slot and then you in the combat screen would press x to use it mm-hmm much like you press A for your armor, or I'm sorry, for your weapon. Okay, ah, okay. So as far as charisma, it's charisma affects how many Shadowrunners you can have in your party at once. Okay, so that's that's the main function of why you would yeah, want to level so up. Yeah, okay. so you can get it up to level six and you can have three Shadowrunners helping you out. And that is the maximum, correct? I believe so, yep. Then we do have skills. Uh, we'll go through those because there are only four. We'll start with the big one. It's firearms. It's the one you're going to be using the most. Yep. Quick strategy piece here. Firearms and body are probably the two stats that you want to pump your early game karma into. They'll help the uh, the early game or probably the first half of the game move a lot quicker. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do remember you texting me like, what should I be doing with karma? And I was like, man, it's it's been a while. I don't I don't remember exactly. Or I was like, what are the, you know, but once and I got, Nick, I was like, I wish oh. you would have, or I wouldn't have wasted my sweet, sweet karma on those strength stats, which funnily hey. enough, um, I was going to ask you in the level by level, and I'm sure we'll rehash it. But um, I'm kind of wondering if there is a point that you can get stuck in this game if you spec improperly, because there's you come to a point later on where you're sort of forced to fight your way out of an area, I guess not forced. If you want to go through uh, the game in a certain way, you have to fight your way through an, an area. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the enemies you come to, you need to have a, a high fire and a, and a high body to get through it at all. So I'm, I'm wondering if you, that can be a bottleneck. Yeah, you can. It, well, absolutely. I think there are certain areas where it's like, look, you're just not going to make it unless you have high enough firearms and body. And But they're usually accompanied by one of those screens you can keep entering and slaughtering mages and heavy dudes or whatever yeah. over and over to slowly, you know, grind up. 
Um, we will get to it, my friend. We'll chop it up. We'll figure this out. Oh, we'll get there. So, yeah, firearms can be raised to level 16. However, yeah, I found that interesting that, that some of these stats can go up to 20, some go up to six, some go to 16. Like, why the arbitrary I, numbers? Like, I, it makes me wonder. I, I don't know if that's a holdover from the tabletop RPG, but I will say that everything, every source I've checked, you know, firearms determines your accuracy. Mm-hmm. So the higher, the more often you will hit, you know, your little number damage numbers coming off of them. Sometimes you won't get one because, you know, if you quote unquote roll low enough with your damage, their armor will just absorb it. So it may look like a yeah. miss, but starting at level seven of firearms, you will have a hundred percent hit rate. So no kidding. Okay. From what I understand, and there's no other benefits to firearms, the skill there's no reason to ever raise it to level eight or above. Really? Okay. Uh, it, so firearms, there's there's no damage increase then. That's that's purely an equipment thing, from what I understand. Okay. All right. This changes the game for me then. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of rough. <laughs> so yeah, that's your firearms. So once you get it to seven, you can back off. But other than you know that before that, it's a primary one you want to level up. Roger. We also have a computer computer skill which. We, we haven't gotten into yet, but we will, uh, where you can, you know, this is a cyberpunk kind of setting where you can jack into the Matrix. Yeah, quite yeah. literally, the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, hey, man, this was years before that, you know. Yeah. Um, so you use a cyber deck and you can go to a computer, you can log in, and it's an interesting little kind of mini game where you, it's kind of like Minesweeper. You're kind of moving around these little grids of trying to avoid the ICs, which are, I don't want to say enemies, they're like, you know, security programs or something, you know, so it's like, you will take some quote unquote damage. And if you take too much, you'll get kicked out. But you can wander around, there are little kind of data points that you can access. And, you know, you'll get clues sometimes, sometimes it's just trash files, but sometimes it's money. And this is one of the best ways to quickly get money or new yen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) starting in like you know as soon as you can get this you want to do it as much as you can on certain computers you can't do them over and over you can only do one computer you only hack them once i mean i guess you can hack them more than once but you're only you're not getting the money twice you know yeah and then the the view switches to top down when you're doing this as well right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay and then um so if you die in the the matrix haha uh you die in real life too right I don't. Th- I think you just get kicked out. To be honest, does, does um, it not give you a a game over? To be honest, I don't know because I haven't I haven't done that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I I read that it kills you, um, but uh, I guess uh, or maybe a little bit I, of a spoiler here. I haven't actually gotten to that part yet. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's a little bit you know much like the magic. It, you know, this game kind of slowly sprinkles on your capabilities so that you don't I guess get overwhelmed, even though there's not that much. Yeah. Our third skill is negotiation, which negotiation, much like the computer skill, can only be raised to level six. And this specifically has to do with the the price of shadow runners will decrease as it goes up. So if you plan on using them, it, it's a big help. Yeah, this seems like it would be a really important stat to raise because new yen is a a really important resource in this game, which is again sure. your money. Absolutely, absolutely, and not to be confused with a Vietnamese guy. There are, <laughs> yeah, and there are a few spots where I can think of at least one off the top of my head where you, you're not necessarily buying a thing, but you're trying to buy access out of a place. And if you have your negotiation like level two or higher, it'll that price will be cut in half, or certain you know kind of story things will be cheaper. So it is worth it. Yeah. And then finally, 
leadership. Also goes up to level six, and this is mainly determines how long a shadow runner will stick around after you hire them. Because it, I, I guess it's measured in numbers of battles. So the more okay, uh, I was, was going to ask if there was an invisible timer there somewhere. <laughs> I yeah, I, I I'm not sure. I haven't really messed with shadow runners too much so far, uh, but. You know, oh, they'll, I they'll certainly wasted my money on one, brother. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I want oh, I my new wait. yen back. <laughs> no. Okay. So, yeah, those are those are your skills, which isn't too terribly bad. We can imagine we'll tackle the spells as we encounter them. But again, there's only like eight. There, it's not. This isn't like a Final Fantasy where you're getting twenty, thirty spells per magic class or something. So, yeah, and, and from what I've read, magic is. Uh, kind of a non-essential thing uh, to, to get through this game, at least from start to finish. Yeah, um, I think, to be honest with you, as in most games, it's like, uh, or a lot of RPG-type games, the, it's the heal spell that is the MVP yep. by far. So 100%. That's what, you, that's what you really want. Which, uh, what a side quest to get the heal spell, by the way, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, and disappointingly late in the game, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Shadowrunners because that's the name of the game. Shadowrunner is kind of a mercenary that you hire to do to fight with you. Uh, they're typically one of three kind of persuasions where you have your fighter type who will gun down enemies to help you out there in fights. You have a decker, which are your hackers. So you can even, you know, before, I, I think there's one or two computers you can get to before you get a cyber deck that you can't hack, but you can hire someone to do it and okay, maybe, yep, you know, I, and find enough money to make it worthwhile in the, I in the matrix. Came, yep. I came across one and I was struggling to figure out how to interact with it. I was going through all my menu options and I was like, why, why can't I use this thing? I'm supposed to be able to hack this. So maybe, maybe the Decker is the key. The Decker. Yes. So yeah. And you know, of course, depending on your negotiation and leadership and charisma will kind of determine how long they stick around and how much they cost, et cetera. So you can kind of, I don't know that it's required to have them, but there are certain points where it's like, okay, like, especially if you're grinding for karma, not Nuyen, it might be worth it because it'll just speed you up because you can roll into a screen and there's three of you just blasting away. And you know. Agreed. And for the brief moment that I did have the shadow runner that I had, the, the second I entered a screen, he fired his gun and killed somebody that I didn't even see. So that was, sure, that was convenient. Yeah. yeah oh, it's nice. Watching be your back at all times. You know, because normally, you know, I'm kind of a, especially of these earlier generations of games, I'm kind of a hater of AI companions. But here, you know, they don't have to futz around with that stupid crosshairs or, you know, they're gunning oh, away yeah. straight off the bat. So they, they are a big help. They, you know, it's, it's worth looking into. So I'm not sure yet as of uh, the recording of this episode, but I, I don't believe there are any permanent party members. So these shadow runners are really the only way that you're not uh, running around by yourself. Yes. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about them individually because they are all, you know, there's, I don't know, 10, 15 of them, maybe maybe 12, I don't know, somewhere in there that you can encounter throughout the game and hire at different points to hop in or out uh, of your party. Heck yeah, man. All right, it's time for some level by level, or I guess karma by karma, as this game might be concerned. Uh, we will <laughs> be back next week with some general chat and talking about the manual, but we thought we'd split it up a little bit to keep the pace going. Uh, we did find that this game is featured in issue 48 of Nintendo Power from May 93. Oh, I have to dust off my copy. 
there's some decent uh, <laughs> uh, some decent maps and stuff in there that can help. Um, but it, it's kind of interesting because this game does have a prologue that is in the kind of attract mode. You won't see it in the actual game, but it shows you walking and getting shot down by some gang members or whatever. And, you know, you're essentially dead. But then a little fox runs up, assumes a human form, casts a spell on you, then turns back into a fox and leaves. Wow, we got shapeshifters, we got we got vampires, we got orcs. We got it all. You know, one of my favorite things about the setting of, of Shadowrun um, upon reading the books in my youth was that, at least in the whatever year the, the, the tabletop RPG was set, you know, it was like, the president of the United States is a dragon. <laughs> I was like, hey, that's cool. I'd vote for a dragon, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. I would definitely vote for a dragon over a dungeon any day. Yeah, he'll roast you otherwise, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, after being brutally murdered, you uh, wake up, kind of. You know, you'll see a, a brief scene in a morgue with two attendants kind of putting you into a, you know, one of them even says, I don't, he doesn't look like he's all that dead, you know, and they put you in your little, I don't know what they call those drawers, the uh, corpse drawers or whatever, uh, but it's kind of hanging open, and that's when you wake up. And, you know, in that film noir tradition, similar to Deja Vu, it's like, you can't remember who you are, or what you're doing. So the mystery begins. I guess now is as good a time as any to, to mention that the dialogue in this game is awesome. Oh, like the kind of retro cyberpunk, like as as, as you're uh, being shot at the beginning of the game, they keep saying, oh, you got geeked. Like the, <laughs> he geeked. Yeah. Him. No, they <laughs> do have as, a lot of that slang. As you wake yeah. up, yeah, he's talking about his brain being burnt. Like, oh, my head feels burnt. It's good and faithful to that cyberpunk spirit that, you know, the same kind of weird, like we said, slang in certain terms and things that you would see in like Johnny Mnemonic or other, you know, Robocop. Yeah, they're all pulling from that. I guess it's all Philip K. Dick, right? Isn't that where it all started? (laughs) But yeah, um, either way. So you find yourself in a, a morgue that you can kind of explore now. Something that would be, I think, more familiar to a point and click adventure game player that's present here is like, okay, you've got some relatively detailed graphics, you know, it looks good, isometric. So you got several walls to look at. Uh, and, and there are things are almost always graphically indicated, but they're very small. So, you know, I love small sprites. So it, that that's kind of nice. But in order to truly search, sometimes you just have to kind of drag your cursor, your little action glove, across the the floor or anywhere just to hover it around to see if it if it gets something that you can interact with. It, the you'll get a little green like title or a name of it, where it'll be in this case, scalpel will pop up that's sitting on a table that if you don't know what you're looking for, it could be effectively invisible. Ah, uh, yes, the scalpel. The uh, It's right on the, the table next to you when you wake up, and it's the first item in the game that I did not pick up. Totally missed it. Yeah, so you'll... <laughs> it's, you'll... <laughs> it's so easy to walk right past this stuff, uh, just just like you said, and that's sort of just inherent with the, the graphics in this game. None of the backgrounds here are pre-rendered or anything, so any interactable item that you see essentially looks the same, you know, with the same contrast and the same level of detail as the rest of the environment. So yes, dragging that cursor around is... The the bane of my existence in this game it's one of my it's, least favorite parts it, well it is again that's something that you you know when you're stuck in a point and click you kind of do that but it is much faster yeah. and easier with a mouse than the mouse a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little fridge nearby you can grab a slap patch from yeah and, and uh word of caution you you want to try to save this one 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, a slap patch is kind of like a little healing item. I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how much it gives you. It's not a ton, but it's the only thing you've got. It's kind of your medical herbs or whatever. It's a small amount. I think it's the only healing item in the game, right? Yeah, it is. You, uh, oh yeah. So you start with your, you grab that scalpel. Like, like I mentioned earlier, you do start with a matchbox and examining it reveals the Wastelands Club logo. So wherever that is, maybe we'll visit there in the future. Your first clue. You do can find a little piece of paper that has your name on it. Armitage J. So yeah, I think it's on your, uh, your little morgue tray. Yeah, it is. Oh no. Yeah. The torn paper. Yes. Tells you warehouse number five, which doesn't mean anything right now, but it's somewhere we're going to have to go. (laughs) Yeah. So once you leave the morgue proper, you can see the two attendants out there and they both scream and run away. Which is sort of important because they lock themselves in a room and uh, we do have to come back here later and there's a, a way that we can walk in this room and get these guys to not scaredly run away. Sure, yeah. And, you know, I got to say that I love the screams in this game. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of video game screams and, and squeals of many types, so <laughs> this one cracks me up every time. Yeah, insert sound effect here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, then we, we, we head outside. You know, there's not much else to do in here. We've gotten our what we can. Now, as soon as you leave the, the board, you'll, you'll be outside. There's a little stoop, and you'll see a kind of gang member, so a thug. I don't know. They're running by, and a your first kind of – well, not first, but a dialogue kind of pops up, and you talk yeah, to you, him where he's like, I can't believe you're alive. Yeah, this uh, this guy clearly recognizes you and, and runs up and uh, is not not too keen to talk to you because you're danger- or it's dangerous to be around you. Clearly, somebody wanted to take you out in the first place, so he ends his dialogue kind of quickly and runs away, and our, our, our key clue here is to follow him. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about not just this guy in particular, but I think, you know, this game has some pretty good little, anytime you go to dialogue, you get your little facial portraits of whoever <laughs> you're talking to. And I, I think they're pretty, pretty cool. I, I thought you'd never ask. Uh, it, <laughs> most of these crack me up, man. There's a lot of, yes. uh, <laughs> a lot of West Dayton looking characters. They very, uh, Geographic no, they, reference. But <laughs> yeah, no, there's some, you know, lots of, yeah, people definitely look like they're on the outs of society, at least <laughs> most of them in this game. <laughs> yeah, there, there's got to be a lot of drugs in this city, I, I would say. So, because yeah. nobody, nobody looks like they're drinking kombucha and taking care of themselves. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you can, from talking to this handsome fellow, you can learn the hitman and firearms keywords. So, those can oh. be helpful in the Man, future. Is that, is that where you learn firearms? Is that the only place you learn firearms? Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, we kind of talked off camera. I, there's a relatively important, at least at certain points, keyword that I missed, and I don't know how to get it. I don't even know where I'm, you know, where it's like, I, I don't know. It's it's one of my complaints about this game that I'm not sure if it's truly valid because I haven't tried to fix it, but it, I, I feel like you could really screw yourself, maybe not into a fail state, but into a much harder game state if you didn't get the right or you missed a keyword, you know? You know, and I may have done that in the very beginning of this game, and that might be some of the more interesting stuff that we get into is kind of how we we screwed ourselves in certain parts because I, for some reason, don't have the firearm uh, keyword in my inventory anywhere. And it's it's something that you can use to later on uh, mm-hmm. buy more weapons, grenades, that sort of thing. Yeah, and yeah. As it stands now, that option doesn't exist to me whatsoever. And uh, this first interaction you have with the gangster is uh, like a pre-canned sequence where he, he kind of runs out and then 
as you chase him, he's uh, shot and killed, so you don't get to talk to him again. So maybe I maybe I never get to get that keyword. I don't know. I, I can't say that I think, at least as far as the firearms keyword is, you know, you will come later to... I don't know if there's more than two, but there's at least one. There's just like a gun store and you don't have to ask, you know, you can just go in and buy things. There's, you know, weapons, weaponry. But yeah, you can, he gets, he gets gladded by an orc. I think you, you follow him down around a little corner and then you will eventually that orc will start shooting at you and you have to keep hauling butt down to the corner where you will see a pistol on the ground. You can pick up then return fire and slay the orc. Yeah, this part, uh, so I played through this game briefly um, just to kind of get a feel for it. And the first time that I got to this point, uh, when he pulled out a gun, I didn't realize there was a gun on the ground. Again, that whole thing with items blending into the background. So I just kind of panicked and ran around for a little bit. And then later (laughs) when I came back and played this game again, I realized that there's a weapon sitting there. Yeah, it's, you kind of got to get used of what to look for, you know, once, especially when you're first starting and you're not familiar with the various backgrounds and what's out of place. It can yeah. be a little tricky. And speaking of, of tricky things to see, if you continue around this little corner to the left, you may see a pair of eyes, glowing eyes in the darkness. So let me ask you this. Uh, this pair of eyes uh, turns out to be a, a very strange looking dog that I'm not a huge fan of. <laughs> yeah, it looks but- like a weird, like black and white uh maybe a boxer or a pit bull with red eyes. It's it's pretty scary in a way. French bulldog, yeah. Yeah. West Dayton. Anyways, uh, so my first time playing this where, where I didn't get the gun, I ended up talking to the dog um, and, and got the dialogue tree and all that. The second time I played, he didn't appear. He didn't spawn. This wasn't on the same save either, different save. So really? I wonder, yeah, I want, I'm wondering if this character is, uh, there's some RNG where if I leave the room and come back, he'll, he'll come back. But I couldn't get him to spawn. Crazy. I, I wonder if, it, man, because that is where, you know, you'll talk to, it's a talking dog. Yeah. Which is, you know, and this is kind of part of the magical fantasy elements of this is, if I remember correctly, from the tabletop RPG 2, it's very based in like Native American shamanism, spirit animals and such. Yeah. So he, the dog kind of tells you, you know, you're a whelp and, you know, he's kind of trying to guide you, but you, you will get this keyword dog from him. So, yes. And then now you're armed and you've talked to a dog. So you're having a pretty good day and <laughs> briefly as well he does he does mention a little something about bringing him three items which will be important later and i think he he may have mentioned something about it has to do with uh man earth and beast or something but yes. three items we need to bring back to him which you know once you see the solutions i'm like well one of these i might have been able to guess but the other two it's like whatever <laughs> it's all made up yeah well and you know especially since like in many point and click games, you're going to be inhaling little items just because you don't know what they're what they could be one day. And we could only assume we're going to need all of it. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So now we're at this little area. This is our first kind of we'll call it, say, hub 10th Street, where you've got a couple uh, various uh, areas you can explore. Um, at this point, the game uh, sort of opens up and the training wheels are entirely off. It's kind of up to you to take what you've been given so far. And uh, I think it encourages you to explore and get used to the controls. There are some people wandering the city that you can stop and speak to and interact with, which really introduces and reinforces the uh, keywords concept. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do like that it feels like most of the people you will see are just 
people won't go in to work or, you know, where it'll be like busy man. You try to talk to them and they're just like, Hey, just leave me alone. You weird bum. Or I, you know, I already gave at the office or no, most people don't have any time for you, which I, I kind of like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of cuts down on the amount of uh, stuff that you need to pay attention to. <laughs> so yeah, there's some, uh, some notable places here we have, you know, in the center, uh, you know, kind of where, Opposite the morgue that you came out of, you know, you're on a, a kind of a square, a street square with a grassy park in the middle, kind of with a fountain. And there's a little dog in there. And if you let him out, because, hey, maybe he'll talk to you, which he does not. But <laughs> he will bark at you and then run away. And there's a dog collar on the ground. So you want to grab that because spoilers, that's one of those three dog items. And that is probably the only one that anyone would guess is. is I would have thought for sure you're going to find a dog bone or a chew toy or something. No, it's. <laughs> and you do find a bone later and it's not it's not one of the things that he needs. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> and then, you know, from here. OK, well, let's talk too about some enemies real quick, because sure. aside from that orc guy, you will a lot of the people you will see are these kind of hitmen that are popping out of a window or just a weird hole in a wall. Yeah, I think the the bulk of the enemies you run into are either going to be uh, yep. mages. They're they're labeled as mages, even though they're shooting guns. They're not casting magic. Well, they barely yeah. cast any spells. Maybe later in the game, but yeah, yeah I haven't seen it yet. If they do, but um, there's mages, and then there's uh, uh, some orcs, and then there are a lot of heavy dudes. Heavy they're just dudes, labeled man. heavy dudes, man. Yeah, I. <laughs> I like, um, you know, kind of how you're saying it's hard to see certain items that are you can pick up or whatever with the the peepholes and snipers that you'll see. You can tell if you're if you're paying attention when you walk into a screen where you'll see a bunch of grayish brown like these are the windows, but one of them's dark black. It's kind of like in an old cartoon where you can tell uh, yeah. on a shelf. They're like, well, this is what they're about to pick up because it's it's not watercolor. It's inked and it's got an outline and, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the similar where you walk in. And you're like, OK, let's let's get the gun out and start blasting away. Yeah, I mean, I so there may be a tell there, but I've never noticed it. <laughs> Usually I'm just tr trucking through the city and then the music kicks in. Uh, speaking of music, uh, do we want to briefly touch on what we've heard so far? We should, man. Um, it's not I, a whole lot, brother. <laughs> it's, I like this music because it's not, it's more background music. It's going for like atmosphere more so. I, I That's think fair. It, it, it I was sounds, curious what you would think. It sounds very 90s in a lot of certain ways. So I do kind of like it nostalgically. You know, it sounds like future music from the 90s. I don't know. It's, uh, it's strange. It, it almost sounds more uh, uh, like the Genesis sound profile, right? I kept thinking that as I was playing this. It sounds yeah. like a Genesis tune. It, yeah, it doesn't sound like it uses as much of like a sound sample library or whatever i'm not sure so not a whole lot of ride at this point we kind of just get the same sort of background music rock and tune with the the heavy seinfeld bass going and the, yeah. the chuggy guitars and the and the, the drum beat um not, and then it changes to the same same battle music every time yeah i like the music for the most part but i i can see where it would be very repetitive and some people might not get into it <laughs> it's not it's not bad i found myself tapping my toe to it however it's yeah. not something i would ever like you're talking to a dude that like occasionally i'll throw on like an nes tune on a long drive or something just to zone out and like i listen to like the Mega Man x soundtrack or sure, um, double yeah. dragon or something those tunes are just awesome but then you listen to this and it's not bad but there's there's no way i'd ever listen to this again <laughs> no it's not it doesn't have its own like uh it's not yeah it's not rocking out it's not necessarily catchy or, or 
awesome, you know? Yeah, it could go either way. Yeah, so. Continuing on. Back here at 10th Street, there's, you know, a couple places we can visit, one of which you can find is Jake's apartment. Aha, uh-huh. have we found the apartment key yet up to this point? I think we jumped over, um, there's a key oh, moment right. where we find a dead body uh, in one of the apartment buildings. I don't think there's a clue leading us there, but I do think it's the the, the, the first apartment building that you see after you leave the sewers uh, from speaking to the dog. So mm-hmm. um, if you happen to stumble in there, then you'll, you'll come to a room with a dead body on the ground, uh, get a couple dialogue options. And on that body, you'll find the apartment key and uh, get to read the memo. That's right. Yes, because it, it, he does like when you come in here, I think Jake makes a comment or about the or no, if you hover your your action glove over him, it will say seems familiar. And that's yeah. where you, you know, you can investigate and you'll find the, the key. You get a memo that says Armitage to perform to perform courier run to Matrix system 7030 split. Uh, we're peeling back layers of this onion. That's right. Yeah, at that point, we've uh, we've got the apartment key, uh, so we know that we can get back to Jake's apartment. Which is important because you can go in there, you can use the bed, and that's how you, A, get all of your, your stamina back, your health. And you can also, it's when you sleep that when you can spend the karma points you've accrued. Because, you know, you don't you don't go level to level like you would in previous or in other kind of RPGs. It's just you incrementally increase skills as you slowly earn enough karma to spend on them. It's at this point in the game, in this particular building, that we've reached our first potential grinding spot and where our playthroughs probably uh, uh, branched off a little bit because I spent <laughs> <laughs> probably a good half an hour in here um, sure. leaving Jake's apartment, going into another room in the same building and just letting enemies spawn and just killing him, going back to the bed, rinse, repeat, until uh, I got as much karma as I, I got sick of playing and then moved on. Sure, yeah, it's, you know... Mass murderer Jake Armitage begins to slaughter here. Man, no one else in this apartment has a problem with gunshots all the time, man. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Um, I, oh, we should say, too, I think, in your apartment is where you find the sunglasses. That is true. And uh, additionally, on the wall, you'll see uh, there are no normal phones in 2050, Nick. There are video phones. Video phones, <laughs> yes. And maybe we'll see it someday. Who knows? <laughs> well, it's, you know, uh, you know, a big video screen phone. You can't. You can receive messages on it. People can leave you a message, but can't make calls for now because you have to get a cred stick later. Yeah, cred stick, and then also we'll have to come across the phone number to use too. Yeah, I think you do have a message waiting for you where the mysterious Drake is telling you to cancel your run and turn over the files. Mm, I don't think I even read that message. I think I skipped over that. Yeah, so yeah, you you, you were involved in some some strange goings-on apparently. Strange happenings at 10th Street Cemetery. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got a few other buildings you can head um, into. There, there's a an office building. There's a couple uh, enemies you can fight in there, but you can get a paperweight from a desk here, which means nothing now, but later it can be good. It's there. another one I had to backtrack for. Very hard to see on that <laughs> yeah. desk. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, and eventually when you're like, look, there's only four desk sprites in this game, so I got used to seeing them, and I know yeah. when something's astray, but, you know, especially when you first start, you don't. The, uh, the real key of this building um, is that... You can go into a room with a secretary, you know, a little office, and she's like, the boss isn't here or whatever, but she'll let you just waltz into the office and where you can steal a cyber deck. Uh, yes, the cyber deck. Have we explained what that is yet? Uh, a little bit. You know, this is how you interface with the Matrix and stuff. However, you can try to now, but you will get an error message where it's like there's something wrong with your data jack, which is 
the plug in your head that you plug in a Cyberdeck 2. So, mm, you know, Nick, I'm afraid this is going to happen a lot with this particular game, but it is what it is. We, we missed a couple things in Jake's apartment that are going to be important later. In uh, the filing cabinets in Jake's apartment, you can find Sassy's phone number. Um, oh, yes, yes. And true. you get a pair of shades, which you can put on, which mean nothing now other than making your sprite in the menu look cooler, but they will come in handy later. Yeah, yeah. Well, it covers up your lack of eyebrows, so unless you're <laughs> going for the Mona Lisa look, get them shades. Um, Jake essentially looks like the guy from uh, Ghost in the Shell at this point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So yeah, as you fight your way around, you got your cyber deck, uh, and now it's time to start going to clubs. There are... Tons of clubs in this game. It's one of the places you investigate a lot. And there are two clubs here. You've got the Grim Reaper Club and the Cage. So um, I think most people will stop at the Grim Reaper Club first uh, and visit yeah. the Cage second unless you happen to pass by it. Cage won't let you in anyway, though. There is a giant bouncer with a hilarious dialogue sprite <laughs> that uh, yeah. to interact with later. Yeah, so um, yeah, the the Grim Reaper Club. It's you go in and then you're treated to some generic like rock club music, and it's all right. I think the main thing you do here is you come in. You, you know, the the bartender will uh, you know ask you, do you want your your usual or whatever, and you say yes, and it's an iced tea. Mm-hmm. What a nerd! But you can give the iced tea to a thirsty. What is he? A decker sitting at a table nearby? I don't think we know quite yet. Um, I think uh, there's. A handful of people in this bar that all have different sprites than we've seen so far, which suggests that they're characters that will do something special for us or we'll interact mm-hmm. with. Um, and there's a, a, a guy, his name is Jamaican Man, or just, he's something Jamaican related, and he's yes. using the phone. There's a big orc uh, sitting down by one table, and then there's a guy sitting down that just, I think his label is Tired Man or something. So, And I guess now it's a good point to mention, too, that all the items that we receive, you can examine in your inventory. And oftentimes when you examine something, that's when you find out really what its intended use is going to be. Um, so when you examine the iced tea, I think it says something about, you know, give this to somebody to, to pep them up or something like something along those lines, which would suggest that the tired man wants some iced tea. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think when you talk to him, he... If you ask him about Hitmen, that's when he'll teach you what Shadowrunners are, and that's where you first learn that you can hire Shadowrunners. Yeah. Um, and then he'll kind of tell you uh, what the role of the Deckers are, and then uh, you'll you'll gain the the hiring keyword too, which you'll use that to uh, proposition people to be Shadowrunners for you. Yeah, you can get a couple. Uh... Oh, and okay, this guy. Yeah, you can get uh, several keywords from the bartender, I, and that guy is um, the one you give the iced tea to. I think he also mentions. Uh, tickets to the Maria Mercurial concert and he wanted to get these tickets but the guy who had the tickets was going to sell them got killed by the police and blah 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 so you start to put together like all right I think I'm going to need to get some of this I I do want to mention apparently okay on your way into this bar the man at the entrance will talk to you and you'll this is where you can get the street doc and healing keywords that is correct which I tried to talk to him to see if he could heal me and he said that he's his days of being a street doc are over Aww. yeah now personally speaking i didn't talk to this guy at all so i still do not have either of these keywords and oh lord one of which at least <laughs> will come in very handy later <laughs> yeah luckily i did talk to this guy so the uh the heal keyword is is clutch you definitely need that 
Yeah. So you can talk to this little this fellow about Grinder, who is the guy with the tickets, and he says, you know, he got shot and taken away by the morgue guys. So you can uh, pretty much head back to to the morgue, and those those guys will not recognize you with your shades. They'll let you in, and then you can investigate. They'll let you look at his file. No, no, no. First, you have to get a badge. You have to have the <laughs> the Lone Star. There's a keyword you get, which I guess are the police, and they'll say, you know, only families or badges can get in here, so you got to go find a badge. Yeah, the uh, so the glasses are one thing that that I missed. So when I walked in, the more guys run away. After yeah, I got they're the like, glasses. I got the zombies back or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after I got the glasses and came back, I realized I hadn't had the. Uh, the Lone Star keyword, and then even if you do have it, they let you know, like you said, you know, only families are cops, um, and it's sort of suggested that you need to uh, impersonate a cop at that point. So I had to go back to the Grim Reaper Club and talk mm. to a few people before I realized um, I need to get my hands on a badge, and that's when we I had to take a short side quest to another building, sort of on the way to the Grim Reaper Club where you meet uh, a guy that's just off in a corner in a room. And after a few dialogue trees with him, he will offer to sell you a badge for 150 new yen. Yeah. So you, you want to do it. Um, <laughs> Cause you need to, and you can learn a negotiation keyword from that guy as well. If you ask him about hiring, that is true. But uh, then you can return to the, to the morgue and that's where you can, you can, Get the files on Grinder. You'll find the tickets and a cred stick. All of which appear on top of the filing cabinet. I thought they just went into my inventory, left this area, went all the way back to the, the cage club, and I uh, realized I didn't have any of this stuff. So I went back to the morgue, and they were just chilling on top of yep, the filing same, cabinet. Same thing happened to me. I did grab the cred <laughs> stick, but I didn't. the tickets are just like this yellow blob on top. So I thought, is that like a lamp lampshade or something? Like I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I skipped yeah. it too and had to walk back. But anywho, yep, we get these items. Uh, and now that we've got the cred stick, we can use any video phone we want. Yeah, so if we want, we can call up old Sassy, sweet Sassy Molassi, and who's apparently your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> well, she's she's our ex-girlfriend now. We didn't know at the time, but we just got broken up with, man. She's a, She looks like an early 90s model, and <laughs> she will give you, she'll be like, you know, she's like, I threw away all your stuff and whatever, but you can tell <laughs> these people to stop calling me. So you get a calls keyword, which then she tells you about Glutman and mm -hmm. gives you his number. So... <laughs> Now we play phone tag and then we hop on and we talk to this fellow Glutman and you have to do this because you'll call his office and his secretary will be like, the boss is out. This is the same place you stole the cyber deck from. Yeah. You can and, talk to her in person as well. Yeah. Yeah. And either way, she's like, ah, whatever. But then she'll tell you, okay, he's at the cage, you know, which is where the Maria Mercurial show is at. Now, all this while, if, if we've gone to the cage at all at this point, at some point you passed a, uh, a cemetery. Did you pop in there at all and screw around? Not yet. I, I do recall doing it in the past uh, as an area to, to kind of grind because ghouls will rise from the grave and fight yeah. you. The zombies are constantly chasing after you, but you get a ton of karma from these guys. I mean, uh, they're kind of annoying to fight, but uh, this is definitely a good grinding spot. Additionally, uh, this is where we can meet the Indian shaman. Yes, this is why I had to come back later, because you will need the, you know, as you come in, there's a couple like crypts in one of them. You'll hear, you'll see a little uh, text window pop up where someone's saying help somewhere. So yeah, you can use the scalpel to 
Jimmy open these doors to get into the the locked crypts. Yeah, so as I understood it, after you go into the uh, the cage and start going through those dialogue boxes, you get to a point where there's sort of a point of no return where you're going to enter kind of the next uh, section of the game. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to do everything that I could in this area before I left, and I kept running around the cemetery because I had read uh, this this Indian shaman is in there somewhere and he's an important character to talk to. Uh, but I couldn't find him for the life of me until I realized I didn't have the scalpel from the beginning that I mentioned. Yeah. So it was still in the morgue. I had to make like my fourth trip back to the morgue and get that dang scalpel, which you <sighs> use to pry open one of the one of the cemetery doors. Yeah, it's kind of rough because it's like it's not only that the scalpel is hard to see, but it's not the first thing you think of when you're like, I need something to pry open a <laughs> crypt door. Like you think crowbar right. or I don't know something, but a scalpel, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like that should be a weapon, especially in the beginning of the game. That's but, you know, exactly what I always thought when I picked it up. I was like, all right, I'm going to go stabbing people. But it's like, nope, no, sir. Um, but he is a, a uh, important character. Um, and this is why I mentioned in the beginning of the game, when you get that first slap patch, um, you can use it if you get hurt at any point. But if you do, you won't be able to interact with the shaman in the manner that you need to. Uh, so he's wounded on the ground and is asking for help. And if you mm-hmm. use a slap patch and put it on him, he'll get up and you get a dialogue where uh, you learn about the magic fetish and uh, you can additionally get the ghoul bone in this area. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I, I did not get the ghoul bone yet, but you have and to as, kill. That just falls from killing ghouls, right? I believe so. I was just running around and found it. I can only assume it, it spawned after I killed one of them and I didn't notice it. But Gotcha. See, I, I didn't, um, since I'm a filthy cheater, I didn't really <laughs> grind here. Although I remember doing it in the past, I... I did see something on a FAQ about after a certain amount of times battling these ghouls, they will start coming back with more HP. Uh, that hasn't been my experience yet. I have I haven't messed with it, but I mean, I, I believe it's I don't know how far you have to go into you know how many you have to battle before you start seeing a difference, but I I, I was just curious if you bumped up against it. I did not. They they all seem to be pretty easy unless they start hounding you uh these guys can can take you out kind of quick if they get close but usually just a couple shots put them down right on so uh, let me ask you this you mentioned uh kind of hinted earlier saying that you bought some shadow runners early on had you employed one yet or <laughs> <laughs> you meet ham fist in the grim reaper club and uh it, you've learned about shadow runners at this point you've learned about hiring so you can ask them uh to, to hire you can also Ask to hire a Jamaican man, which I'll have to double check of what his actual name is. But um, I think it's uh, it's Jenga Dance. Jenga Dance. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Jenga Dance is expensive. He's like fifteen hundred new yen, which I'm sure later on is nothing. But at this point in this game, you're you're rocking between five hundred and a thousand, maybe. That's a um, lot. Yeah. And Ham Fist is five hundred. So I was like, okay, let me get him on my team. Uh, not realizing this is this is a temporary buy. I thought he was a permanent. Oh, I thought I was recruiting another party member that was going to follow me indefinitely. And I was like, okay, let me get another guy to help me out with the next part of the game. And I bought him. And the second you get back to the cage, which was the next place I was going, I'd done everything I needed to do in 10th street. Um, he says, I'm going to wait outside. I don't like going in that club. So people don't like ham fist in there, I guess. So I lost him immediately. I just blew 500 precious new yen. Yeah. 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 That's no good. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, 
From what I understand, Jenga Dance is more of one of the mage or wizardy shadow runners, which in general are not as good as a fighter type <laughs> or a decker, okay. I guess. So correct me if I'm wrong, but there's there's really just three types of shadow runners. There's your mm-hmm. attacker, your mage, and your your cyber. Your, the, the deckers are the cyber guys, the hackers, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty gotcha. much. So mostly, at least as it appears to me so far, the the fighters are the ones you want. Uh, so. Real quick, you mentioned you haven't talked to the Indian Shaman yet, right? I, I did. I have gone back uh, okay. later, but uh, at the time when I originally came through here, I, I did not. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but does his character sprite in his dialogue window not look like a 97-year-old Whoopi Goldberg? No, it's <laughs> some of the, yeah, these, as much as I like the facial portraits, you know, uh, in this game, they, they all look kind of weird and off, you know. So everyone is yeah. haggard, man. Nobody's gotten a lick of sleep in this town. I'm telling you, it's a rough future, man. It's a it's a tough world. <laughs> they just download their sleep. Mm. But yeah, so we finally get into the cage where we will see the Maria Mercurial show, and you know, this is another bar. Uh, you know, use your tickets to get in. There's not a lot of people in there. Uh, but eventually here is where you meet Glutman, which is like, he won't appear here unless the secretary has told you. So you have to call or, or show I did, up. I did. Yep. I did come here before I made the call. So I just ran around this bar. Um, and there is there is a unique looking character sitting at the bar in a red coat that is unlike any other sprite I've seen in the game. And I had tried interacting with him over and over again and couldn't get a dialogue window. So I feel like he may be a character later, but um, as of now, he sticks out. But I can't do anything with him. But that wasn't the guy, so I thought I was stuck again until I made the phone call and then Glutman appeared. Sure, yeah, and you talk to this charming, beefy fellow who is like, wow, I, you know, basically says, I, I can't believe you're still alive. I, I'm surprised you're still around because you have whatever the files in your head are, you know, worth so much money that everyone wants you dead. So he offers to take you to a safe place. Kind of seems like it's against your will a little bit because as you're being walked yeah. away with the guards, uh, Jake's like, why am I wearing this blindfold? Yeah, and they're like, yeah, like they don't want you to know where you're going. How does that help <laughs> keep me safe? I don't know. But then pretty quickly you will find yourself in the second kind of area of this game, the car yards. I sort of think of this as chapter two of the game because your whole environment changes a little. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's just one of those, like, you get these different chunks of, of areas of uh, whatever the city is that you can roam, you know, you can roam around freely within, but you're going to have to get the right items and keywords to, to, to get. All right, so that's going to do it for this week, Cartridge Commandos. Uh, next week, we'll we'll pick up where we left off. We'll do some some general chat. We'll talk about the this game's manual and get back into the level by level. Can't wait, brother. Yeah. So, um, if we got any other fellow Shadowrunner fans out there, have you have you played the new one? Did you ever play the RP, the tabletop RPG? Let us know. One of many ways. Cartridge Command at gmail.com is good. Cart Command at Twitter. Facebook's there too. All the, the, the three heads of the social media Cerberus. I don't know if email counts as social media, but you know. <laughs> ah, we'll, we'll go with it. Either way, we appreciate it. We appreciate all the support we've gotten from all of our fans, Cartridge Commandos, uh, you know, and patrons much like Radiant Blur, 
it's awesome to hear from you guys, and it's awesome to receive your money. <laughs> so if you got some extra Nuyen, man, throw it our way. We appreciate it. We're you know we're just slumming it here in Old Town or whatever our funky <laughs> 2050 <laughs> city is. <laughs> depressed on 10th Street, man, uh, just hearing gunshots going off 24-7 next door. It's really rough. And I know um, this is the outro, so I don't know how many people will see this, but I meant to say, you know, I wanted to thank Dale for stepping up. Uh, you know, he always helps us out with RPGs and... You know, Eric's a very busy man. He's got a lot on all of his plates. He has several full plates that he's spinning. You know, his son's graduating this week and all kinds of stuff going down. The the tales of the house continue. So we are here to keep keep the keep it real. I don't know, keep it going. <laughs> so I'm always happy to help out, brother. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Uh thank you. Thank our fans and thank our patrons. A thousand thanks to all of you. Hey, I'm still one of them, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Even though uh, you know, reasonably, you could you could stop doing it if you want to make me a homeless person. But anyways, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, thanks to everyone, one and all, and uh, uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future. And as always, cartridge commandos, game on. Game, Game on. on.